Well, hello and welcome to the China Church Plant Podcast. This is your host, Adam Walls. I've got my uncle, John Walls, with me today. And we've got some things that we're going to discuss. The podcast will simply be called Something Greater. When I was in uh, growing up in ministry, the thought of something greater that the Lord would have for me always caught my attention. I always wanted to do the very best that I could for the Lord, and my dream, uh, my desire for my life was that one day I would uh, hear, "Well done, thy good and faithful servant." And the, and the way to be able to get to that point in my mind was, "Well, I want what God has greater for my life." So something greater, John.、Uh, would you explain to us what that what what would that mean? Something greater. What's that word greater? <laughs> well, I think it begins with a great God.、Um, you know, when sin began in this world, it began with people making up their own mind what would be good or what would be bad.、Uh, but the basic belief that we all have as Christians is that God is good. And everything he says is good. And when we mean that God is good, we mean that He is better than we are. His plans are better than we are. His thoughts are better than ours. And so His plans and His thoughts and His dreams are greatness. And He is such a good God that He wants to incorporate you in those plans and dreams. And for some reason or another, we think that sin would disqualify us. Uh, but God has dealt with our sin on the cross, and He has used sinners、uh, in the Bible and in our current day to do marvelous things and, and great things. And so, I, I think when we say something greater, we are challenging you to trust God. We're challenging you to finally give up what you think is good and to trust God's goodness and let Him take you to places and do things with you that would go way and Just beyond what you could even imagine. Great.、Um, now I do know that there are a lot of people that would that would hold a little bit tighter to the word calling, and they would say that、uh, they they don't have a special calling on their life, and therefore God could not use them. But what about that word calling? And do I need a calling to serve? Well, sometimes we we kind of. Believe things without checking up on the Bible of what they actually mean, and I think a calling is one of those things where we have culturally accepted that to be used of God in a great way or in a in a full-time way or or even as a professional pastor or you know you make a profession out of serving God that you have to have some sort of calling. And so I would challenge you to just get into the Word, look up the word calling. Find out what it means. Find out who served God.、Um, and two verses come to my mind right off the bat. First is is a verse that we all learn in Sunday school in Hebrews eleven six. It says, "But without faith, it is impossible to please Him." And so let me ask you, who's who's called to have faith in God? And all of us, because He created us to believe Him. He's created us to rely on Him. And then you go through the rest of Hebrews eleven, and you find the names of men and women that God used in a great way.、Uh, Rahab was a prostitute that God used in a humongous way. Was she called to that? Did she、uh, have a dream? Did she、um, did she have an ordination council that that called her to minister? No, she was a person that believed God, and because she believed God, God used her to do great things. 
Um, another verse that I would challenge you with is to look at Acts chapter 16 and verse 3 there. Uh, that portion of scripture is when Paul comes into town of uh, Derby and Lystria and he finds a young man that has a good report in that small church there. And the Bible doesn't say that this young man was called in any specific way. Actually, if you want to look at a particular calling, you would go back three chapters later to Acts 13, where the Holy Spirit calls Paul and Barnabas out of the church and in a really miraculous way. But I don't think, Adam, you and I have been called in that kind of a way. We're called in the way that Timothy's called. And so we go back to Acts 16, and there's an example of a regular disciple who God would use greatly and mightily, and his calling was just a simple question from Paul. In verse 3 there of Acts 16, all it says is that him, talking about Timothy, would Paul have to go forth with him, with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews' word in his quarters. And so you almost have to read in between the lines there for a calling, but that, that's how Timothy got started. Paul comes into town, sees a young man, uh, that has a good report, and Paul has a work to do. Paul knows that he's called to do great things, and he wants other uh, young men to be a part of that. And so here's an opportunity from Timothy's point of view. Do I want to serve God? Do I want to do great things for him? Here's an opportunity. It's staring me right in the face. Someone's asking me to come with him and do something for God. And so it was just a simple question of what did he have in his heart? And just like you said, as a young man, you had in your heart that you wanted to hear the Lord Jesus tell you, well done. And that's something you know I've desired in my heart. Do we call that a calling? I think we just call that being in love with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when you're in love with Jesus, you'll, you'll want to serve him. And if you serve him and you do what he wants you to do, whatever it is, it'll be great. Well, that's definitely something to think about, uh, and in fact, uh, kind of contrary to a lot of a lot of different people think, and a lot of young ones that I've talked to, just simply on deputation, I've been turned down a lot. But encouraging them, hey, what about giving your life to doing something greater? What about uh, the dreams that you have? Do they line up with the dreams that God has for you? And they'll usually go to that that one thing, hey, well, I'm just I'm not called, and I don't have. Uh, that's not what God wants for my life, but. Uh, so that's definitely something to think about. And another passage that came to my mind as you were talking about that with, with Paul and Timothy was simply, and it will lead into our next question, but Isaiah. And all he did was overheard God talking and saying, you know, who am I going to send? Who am I going to go? And he, he, it wasn't a special calling. It was just Isaiah saying, I'll go. I'll, I'll do it. Send me, Lord. And, and he, saw, uh, he saw something. He saw that there was a need. And so that leads into our next question. Uh, John, wh why should someone surrender to do what God would have for their life? Why, why should we surrender to this greater? Yes, yeah, surrender. Uh, that's, totally, that's totally a word I would agree with, that we ought to surrender to Christ. But for some reason, you know, once you really get to know Christ and you get to know God's heart, it doesn't feel like I'm surrendering. <laughs> It feels like that I'm getting the best end of the bargain when I surrender. And I think uh, Peter had a, a similar discussion with Christ. He At one point in, in Christ's ministry, Peter says, Look, Lord, we've, we've left it all. We've left family. We've left our lands. We've left our jobs. And the Lord responded saying, Peter, you've not really left anything. You, you, everything you left, you're going to get back a hundredfold. And that's how I feel like being in the ministry. I feel like I've, 
I've not lost anything. I've gained everything. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, for that reason alone, why wouldn't you want to surrender to hmm. a, a God who is good as that, who's going to give you everything? Um, but to give you a verse, and so something that you can hear from Scripture, in, in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, uh, Despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and love suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? And that's a verse talking about God's goodness uh, leads people to repent. And often we think of the word repent as just in terms of salvation. But repentance is, remind you, it's an attitude of the heart. It's an attitude of a person who believes that God is good. It's an attitude of a person who discovers God's heart and realizes that everything God says is pure and holy and wholesome and good. And when you realize and you believe and you trust Him at His heart, then you will be more than willing to lay aside your sin, lay aside your thoughts, lay aside whatever plans you had because you realize God's plans are better. And so why would a person want to surrender to a good God? I mean, that's just that's, that's almost a rhetorical question. <laughs> why would you want to surrender to a good God? Because He's good. Because whatever you're surrendering to, you know it's going to be good. You know it's going to be better. You know it's going to be worthwhile. It doesn't mean that it'll be easy, but uh, I don't want an easy life, Adam. I, I want a life that is going to grow in Christ. To, Like Paul said, he wanted to f learn what it meant to fellowship with Christ's sufferings. Obviously, Christ saw something in us that drove him to the cross. And if you ask Christ, was it worth it to die on the cross for sinners? And we might think, well, maybe, maybe it wasn't all that worth, but that's not what his opinion was. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, too, it says that for the joy that was set before him, it was his pleasure, it was his joy. I want to understand that. I want to understand that in my heart because I've spent enough of my life, and I, even though I'm 35 and you know, half of my life left to live, I've spent enough of my life doing vain stuff. I've spent enough of my life doing things that doesn't matter. I've spent enough of my life to say and to know and to feel that the things that, that I've done that have come from my own thoughts um, have come to nothing and they don't bring me any joy whatsoever and a lot of the pain that I have a lot of the reasons why I lose sleep at night is because of sin and bad decisions that I made in my life where I didn't trust God where I didn't seek God's opinion on something where I could have been saved from that just by simply trusting in God and trusting his plan and his word for my life and so why would you want to surrender to a good God who's going to make something of your life well, I mean, the answer's in the question. He's a great God, and I don't see why you wouldn't want to surrender. The goodness of God leads us to trust Him. <laughs> you have a wonderful God. Um, something that was that came across my mind in thinking about all of that is in, in working with, and just me being in, in ministry not, not very, very long with my life and uh, what God has allowed me to do. I was privileged to surrender my life at a young age to the Lord, and so uh, I was very blessed by what the Lord has done through my life and through my family that I didn't really have to go through all the, the, the stupidness of wanting to do my own thing but wanting to do the things of the Lord. 
but I do know that I have talked to several people, and including myself, uh, when it came to surrendering fully to what the Lord wanted me to do, even in ministry, there, there is a time when you don't want to surrender fully to what God would have you to do. What are some things that you've seen in being a missionary in Taiwan, being a missionary in China, and working in churches uh, before you took off for uh, missions? What are some things that you've you've seen in, in young families or in young people that you've been trying to work with? What, what, what's, what stops them from wanting to surrender? What are some things that, that keep them from wanting to surrender to what God has for them? I would say number one and, and foremost number one is just ignorance of who God is. Um, I mean, if you fully grasped how deep and how wide and how tall and how long the love of Christ is, it wouldn't matter to you the details of the path that he would take you on. Uh, we get anxious and we worry about the things of tomorrow and if we didn't have a God who loved us like that, if we didn't have a God who is in complete control, if we didn't have a Savior who would give us this wonderful safety net, even though we might fall, we still we never lose our salvation, we never lose our, our eternal uh, joy in Him, we never lose our home in Heaven. Um, if we didn't have those things, then doing what we're talking about would be complete insanity because the things of tomorrow, um, without a God taking care of us, we would have to take care of those things ourselves, And we would choose the safe things. But that's what a lot of Christians are still doing. They're choosing the safe things. They're choosing things that, to, that will ground them more uh, financially in this world, will secure their families from ever seeing a lot of oppression or a lot of affliction. But if you dive into the ministry, if you serve God, uh, you're not going away from affliction. You're going towards it. Because that's what ministry is. Uh, ministry, that word ministry means work. And the kind of ministry uh, that Christ showed us was a ministry that, that loved people through sacrificing for them. Through, through giving to them. For going to a, a country, not your own learning their language, learning their culture, being rejected by them, and finally at the end coming out with some people who will love God, you're not going to come away from that kind of a life unscathed and unhurt. But we have a God. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who's the ultimate chess player, and he knows all the moves that Satan's going to do before he does it. And so we can go into the the heat of the battle. We can go straight into the heart of where the, the war is being waged, and knowing that our armor is not going to fail. Um, our bodies will eventually fail, but everybody's body will eventually fail. And we know that God raises people from the dead. So what in the world are we really worried about? Mm -hmm. um, your kids will face it, but let them face it knowing that they are in the center of God's will. A lot of times you hear, well, being in the center of God's will is the safest place for you. I couldn't think of a more of a lie than that. Um, can you imagine uh, Stephen their martyr saying that just before he got stoned to death. Well, the <laughs> safest place for me to be is the center of God's will as he's being stoned to death. And so that's, it's crazy talk. Uh, but we're not in it to be safe. We're in it for, um, for Jesus Christ who died for us. And we're all going to die anyways. And so if we live or we die, we're the Lord's. And so I'd rather, I'd rather live a life. I'd rather know that my life uh, meant something not because of something that I accomplished on my own, but something that uh, the Holy Spirit uh, did in my life that's unexplicable, that something only God can do uh, when He gets a hold of somebody. 
Well, you probably lost a couple of Christmas cards after that one statement, but it is very true. <laughs> uh, okay, well, <laughs> yeah, you can send my gifts this way. Um, well, just one more question before we wrap this this podcast up. So, the things that we've discussed, and and to say that there was um, someone that said, "All right, you're you're right. You've convinced me. The Lord has convinced me. There, there's nothing greater in my life than to serve Him with all of my life." And so, what would be the next steps for someone that decided to surrender to the, to the will of the Lord? Um, well, in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, uh, Paul was instructing Timothy what to do with people who needed to be trained. And in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, uh, Paul says to Timothy that the things that thou hast heard among me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who should be able to teach others also. And so that verse, in the context of church planning, in the context of serving God, in the context of being used by God, in order to jump into the battle, because the very next verses in that chapter talk about being a soldier, and, and soldiers need training. Um, uh, you, you have to be trained. And so you would not dare go into a war uh, wearing all the equipment and, and taking the weapon without first learning how to use those things. Um, but I say this with a with a warning to American churches especially. It seems like our default setting, when we have a young person that wants to serve God, we immediately ask them, well, where are you going to go to Bible college at? That's not the question that should be asked. Um, God gave us a church to do God's work. When we believe in God... We simultaneously believe in God's church. And God's church was given the mandate to take the gospel and to live the gospel and to teach the gospel to everybody. And that includes the training. And so um, I can't speak for everybody and I don't know where everybody's at, but if you were a young man um, that I came across, if, if you were the Timothy and I was the Paul, uh, I would just simply give you an opportunity uh, to train with me. Or to, to just to follow me around. Uh, you know, when Christ called his men, he didn't have them do anything for the whole first year. All they did was just observe. And so if you're a young person and you have a full-time job and your life is well on the way, um, if you're going to be in the ministry and you feel uh, like you want to do something greater, you're going to have to make a radical, fanatical decision. People are going to call you fanatical. Uh, when you leave your job and to go into full-time training... Uh, with with a preacher or with a missionary, if your pastor has the mindset, if it's in his philosophy, if it's in his desire to take you and to train you uh, four hours a day, ten hours a day in Taiwan, we go up to sixteen hours a day daily with young people because that's where that's where the ministry's at and training young people to 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 teach others, uh, to teach faithful men who can teach others also. And so, um, what should you do when you feel like uh, you're, you're heading down that path to serve God? You need to be trained, and you need to be trained by someone who's been there and done that, and, that will, and they're willing to invest their life in you. And so, uh, look around. Obviously, first is your, is your own church and the leadership in your church. Um, but I can only speak for yourself if you were, if you were with us then we would begin giving you opportunities to serve. Um, I know a lot of this 
a lot of these questions are for uh, just young people in the audience that we don't really know. Uh, but if you look at the verse, um, this verse is speaking to the leadership itself. This, these verses are not speaking to young people in the audience. These verses are telling the leadership of the church, hey, this is what you should go do. You should look for faithful men. You should go after them. You should give them opportunities and not wait for young people to come to your doorstep and ask for opportunities because you know very well that they won't. Jesus didn't wait for us to get up to him and ask for help. He came down to us. And so that's the mo that's that's the type of ministry that we ought to be leading. And so if you're out there and you're wanting to serve God, find someone who will train you. Um, but you know what I'm saying right now is for the leadership and churches to to go and get those men yourself. Look for those faithful men. Give them opportunities. Train them to be soldiers. Oh, awesome. Well, that's the questions that we have for today. And uh, if you are a young person that has been listening in and you're thinking, hey, I really want to do something with the life that God has given me. I want to use it to the fullest while the time that he's given me uh, to serve him. Then feel free to contact us. John, can you tell them how they would be able to contact you? If they had any other questions whatsoever, what would be the way that I could get a hold of you? Yeah, I don't know if we have that information in the podcast uh, details, but I'll give it to you here. It's our last name, Walls, W-A-L-Z, and then I-N-C-H-I-N-A. So that's Walls in China. No spaces, no underscores, just Walls in China at gmail.com. And that is my personal email. Uh, another one that might be easier for you to, to send to would be compassbaptist at gmail.com. Compass like uh, the compass... Compassbaptist at gmail.com. Awesome. And we are planning to take a trip. Ashley and I will be leaving for the country of Taiwan on October 30th. And we are trying to find some young people that would like to come with us during that time uh, to be able to get a taste of ministry while while we get to first step on uh, the field of Taiwan and start our, begin our training to work there. But we're, we're planning an eight-day trip. of If you'd like to have a taste of what it's like on a mission field, if you'd like to see what, what it would be like to work on a mission field and, and to train men to start planting churches then we encourage you to contact us. And, and the contact for that would be reachingtaiwan at gmail.com. Reachingtaiwan at gmail.com. And we would love to be able to get you more information about that trip. So really appreciate you tuning in, and we will see you next time.